Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. So, my name is Homer Hargrove. Uh, I'm married to Lauren Hargrove. We have three beautiful children, three under three, so uh, that explains all my gray hair, right? And uh, I'm, we're the pastors of Gravetop Church. We're church planters. And like I said, we both were not raised in church, but we gave our lives to Christ uh, when, when we were young. Uh, I was 17 when I gave my life to Christ, and I, I lived as uh, a lot. I did a lot of bad things before that. And um, just to make a long testimony short, I never wear sandals outside of the house because I still have ingrained in me. What if I have to run from the cops? And so I just, yeah, I just can't break that. I'm just, no matter how much I tell myself, no, it's not that life anymore. I just have to wear shoes, like good running shoes. Um, so that, just to make it short, you know. Um, but one thing that I've learned is that when I first gave my life to Christ, just like many of you, there's that passion. You have this extreme passion because it's almost like you found the best kept secret in the universe, right? And you become so passionate, so in love with your creator. And the thing that it circulates around is that you just can't believe that this God loves you so much. It doesn't make sense how Jesus loves you the way he loves you. And what we often do when we first give our lives to Christ is we tell everybody about Jesus. Everybody and their mother. We, we, try, we go to our old friends. We're, like the, we're, we're almost like those network marketing people that you randomly met. They randomly message you like, hey, do you think you would have free time to, to start your own small business? And it's really just a network marketing scheme. We're like that, except for Jesus. Like, hey, I haven't talked to you since you bullied me in high school. But do you know, do you go to church? And we start telling everybody we can about Jesus because we're so passionate. And I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, I had this big heart of evangelism. And I, I almost had a disdain for people in the church because I would think, what are you guys doing? What, we don't need more stuff to be told to you. We need to go out and tell more people about Jesus. And what happened was, is that all of a sudden I started winning people to Christ. I was like, oh, yes. And then, and then they kept going to church and they became those church people I was so critical of. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I'm going to actually have to love these people longer than just the initial conversation about Jesus. And. Over the years, I've, I've grown with people. I've seen people come. I've seen people go. And I've been in ministry for a good amount of time. And one thing that happens to us as Christians is we get tired. We get real tired. And that's really the, the, the title of our message today is just simply that. I'm tired. I'm tired. And I want to read... This scripture in Revelation chapter two, verse one through seven. This is when Jesus is talking to the church of Ephesus. And a lot of you have probably heard messages about this before, but I really believe that there's something we can take away today. I'm going to read it to you. I'm reading in the New American Standard Bible 2020 edition. And it says 
To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your labor and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil and you have put those who call themselves apostles to the test and they are not. And you found them to be false and you have perseverance. And have endured on account of my name and have not become weary. Let's pause right there for a moment. Because I think that describes a lot of us as Christians. We have persevered. We don't tolerate evil. We we are really even strict in our beliefs. We don't listen to certain things. We don't watch certain things. We do not tolerate certain things in our home. We have a high standard on the level of righteousness, the level of holiness, and we take our faith seriously. Anyone else feel like that with me? But listen what Jesus says, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You have left your first love. Therefore, remember where you have fallen and repent. The word repent, that word, what it means is to change direction. It's not a a dirty spiritual word. It just means to change direction. And do the deeds you did at first. Or else I'm coming to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. That's pretty severe response. I mean, that seems like such a small rebuke. Compared to all the affirmation Jesus just shared. I mean, he said that you have even endured on account of my name. He says that they've been persecuted on account for their faith in Jesus. They do not tolerate evil. They go through all the right motions. But Jesus is saying, you have left your first love. And I'll take away your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, I'm not saying that that means Jesus is telling the church of Ephesus that they're not going to go to heaven. But he's giving us some, the the lampstand is a very symbolic thing in Revelation about the foundational churches of our faith. And so it goes on to say, but you have this, that you have the, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who overcomes, I will grant to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Our first point to circulate around is wake up because something is lost. Wake up because something is lost. You know, in, in secular world, we have epiphanies, a sudden realization. In church, we have revelation, something that was always there but was revealed to us. And wake up because something is lost. What I'm saying is time can be cruel. Time can be cruel to a lot of us. But don't stop trying. Time can be cruel, but don't stop trying. See, that, those feelings of feeling distant, feeling lost, feeling empty... These, these feelings as Christians that we get over time. It's almost like these months where we, we question our faith, but we know everything we believe is so real and raw, but we still have these doubts of like, why do I feel like my prayers aren't hitting past the ceiling? Why 
am I, why am I asking for God to speak to me, but I feel like he doesn't hear me? Why am I praying and praying and praying, but I feel like nothing's happening? Why do I feel so empty inside? Why, why do I feel discouraged? See, these feelings don't typically happen in a single moment. It's something that doesn't happen overnight. It's not from one week to the next. It is a slow depletion of our passion. A slow depletion of our passion. While at the same time, feeling too tired or even discouraged to refill that passion. See, the, it's not that people fall away from their faith after just a couple months. I mean, we're talking after five years, ten years, that people start falling away from their faith. You know, those are moments where it's not that they just abandon their faith, but that discouragement that they, that they allowed to sit in their heart grew so much, they grew so tired to feel that passion again, that it eventually drained them of all of their faith. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Yes. And there's a lot of things that we go through as Christians. A lot. It hurts. In fact, the things that we go through as Christians often hurt more than the things we went through in the world. At least in the world, we were just ignorant. We didn't know any better. But now we see the truth and we see all the things that should be right but are wrong. See, it's a lot different when we go through life like this because we go through life in a way where we become passively bitter towards that life. It's not that we become instantly angry, but every disappointment starts to build up. And we just, we just, put, it, just put it back in the chest to sweep it under the rug. And well, you know, I'm going to just move on. And we start becoming passively bitter to life, to our faith. Things like trying to do right, but things going wrong. Things like trying to show love, but receiving hate. That hurts. Loving people and then hating you. That hurts, right? What about simply trying to be hopeful, but getting disappointed? Have you ever prayed so hard for somebody? I, I remember a moment where someone at our church was on life support. And I've never prayed harder for an individual in my entire life. I'm talking about angry prayers. I was punching chairs and stuff. I freaked people out. I was, I was serious about this person getting healed. About him fully recovering. And... I remember while I would go to the hospital to go and see and pray, there'd be other, other pastors or priests in the hospital that would come. And while the, the family was asking for them to pray in faith for him to recover, they would say, well, maybe we should pray for you to move on. And I would just, I'd be so angry because I was standing on this hope and this faith. I know that God can. And these people asked me to be a person full of faith, so that's all I can be right now. And then when they didn't get up, when they unplugged them, and all that hope just seems like, almost like lost at sea. Like, like you just left the casino at a loss. 
Those moments of disappointment, that's not just like, oh, I didn't get that new car. But you're talking about people you love and care about leaving. Those are heavy, heavy disappointments. It's hard to treat, keep trying when you feel like you haven't seen a payoff in a long time. Remember when you first gave your life to Christ and everything was spiritual and great? I mean, you would just be driving like, oh my gosh. These telephone poles look just like crosses. Oh my God. God, you are good. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm talking back in the day where you would turn on K-Love and you were jamming. <laughs> You're like, oh, this is it. <laughs> yeah, do another share I don't care. <laughs> Everything was great. But then it's after a couple of years, you're like, oh, I hate this station. <laughs> Where you kind of like playing with the other channels like, oh, I remember this. <laughs> I remember this song back in the day. You start getting away from everything being spiritual and everything starts looking just natural again. See, we haven't seen certain payoffs in a long time and we stop believing that there is one. But you must wake up. We got to wake up. Because what this attitude is, it is an oppressed attitude. It's being oppressed and it's, it's really taking on this passive idea that God is out to get you. That God takes delight in not answering you and not hearing you. I just read the other day in Ezekiel how God was using Ezekiel to talk to the people the wicked people burning their own children as sacrifices. Wickedness. And God was saying to them, I take no pleasure in the death of any human, not even the wicked. God takes no pleasure in our suffering. We need to wake up and realize that God is not trying to oppress us. Remember the things at first. Remember those beginning moments that got you so fired up. Remember, because you have seen God move before. You have. Just because time has elapsed, you start to believe that maybe it wasn't true. You have seen God move before. You have felt the supernatural presence of God in your life. Yes. You felt God's real peace in the midst of chaos. The peace to where it didn't make sense of why you felt peace, but you felt peace. You know that God is there. And even though you, you feel like your prayers aren't hitting the ceiling, you know deep down that God is right there with you. You know that he loves you. But what's happening is the enemy has always tried to make us doubt our beginnings. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When he tempted Eve and Adam, it says Adam was there too, okay? When he tempted them, what did he do? Did God really say that? What he was doing is try to get them to doubt the beginning. Their beginning moments with God. 
It doesn't say how long elapsed from the moment God first created man to the moment that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. So imagine for a moment that they were alive longer than you and I. We give them a hard rap, right? Well, you try being in the garden for 203 years. (laughs) Maybe they started to doubt some things. And all of a sudden, this snake comes and says, did God even really say that? Maybe you're remembering it wrong. And now think about what you struggle with. And you struggle with the beginning moments you've had with God. I was just feeling emotional that day. I was just going through a lot. See, we start to doubt how God really ministered to us. God really healed us. God really did a work in our hearts. And we start thinking, well, maybe I was just young and dumb. Maybe I, just, I was just out of it. I'm smarter now. See, God, the devil always tries to make us doubt the beginnings. He does it in our faith. He does it in our marriages. He does it in every aspect he can. He tries to make us doubt the beginning so that we'll throw it all away. Don't allow him to stain the truth of your beginning moment. Because you had beginning moments of real passion. You had real, raw beginning moments with God. Don't allow the enemy to stain that. I urge all of us to get out of our feelings for a moment and stand on one simple truth, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you know that the word tells us if Jesus did not raise from the dead, our faith is worthless. It's meaningless because if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, our sins were never really paid for. And so every Christian in the entire planet should have a single foundational reason of why they believe what they believe. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And most importantly, I believe that he rose from the dead. Everything else is supplemental because ever since I gave my life to Christ, I love asking people, why are you a Christian? And generally everyone says, because my life was either really good or my life was really bad. Well, Anyone that's been alive long enough knows that if your life has been really good, there's probably some caca on the way. And if your life has been really bad, things will most likely turn up. So those are very poor reasons to base our faith. But if we know and believe that Jesus rose from the dead, that's something that is unchangeable. In fact, the more that archaeology and history is unpacked and uncovered, the more and more evidence there is to our faith of Jesus' resurrection. Stand on his resurrection. Stand on his word, not your current feelings. Our feelings will change. And even right now, a lot of us are feeling discouraged because we're going through real things. I'm not trying to discredit anyone's emotions right now. But this is how flippant our hearts and feelings can be. When I'm hungry, I'm angrier. That's an emotion based on my current circumstance. I have three kids under three. At best, I get five to six hours of sleep every night interrupted. If I get one solid night of like four to five hours of sleep without interruption, I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I have superpowers. 
And so I want us to understand that our feelings are temporary. And we often throw out our faith permanent decisions because of how we temporarily feel. Let us trust more in the resurrection. Let us trust more in God's word than what we've been experiencing. And here's the thing. I know we're tired. I know we're tired. But things will change. Things can turn around. Let me share this verse. Galatians 6, chapter Chapter 6, verse 9 says, Let's not become discouraged in doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we do not become weary, if we don't grow too tired. Now, let's go on from this moment. Now that we are all waking up and seeing that we actually have lost something that was once close to us. Let's talk about this. We all... We all need to, you need to, grow your old, cold fire. Your old, cold fire. Don't settle by replacing passion with traditions. Don't settle by replacing passion with traditions. Most times... We become aware that we lost our passion. We feel too apathetic about getting it back. So we replace it with traditions. We imagine that the progress of our relationship with God is like a tightrope. A lot of us think of God like this, our relationship with God like this, like a tightrope. Where we started at one point and you've been walking your faith ever so carefully. And one day you just fall and you feel like, man, it took me so long to get there. I'm already so tired. How can I ever climb all the way back up there and get to where I was? I'll never be able to. I'm barely able to just fall down right here. We think that we thought we realize that we've fallen where we were, and we think that we need to start all the way over from the beginning. But this ideology, it's incorrect, it's an, and it's not effective in finding passion again. Because that's not our relationship with God. Our relationship with God is alive. Just like His Word, it says His Word is alive and powerful, so is our relationship with our Creator. Amen. Did you know that One of the aspects of God's spirit is understanding. Understanding. That doesn't mean that he knows how to do calculus. That's knowledge. It's understanding, meaning that he understands your life. He understands what you've been through in a deep and personal way. This is how much he understands you. He knows that it could literally be harder for you to do something than it is for somebody else to do something because he understands you. Y'all feel what I'm saying? God understands you. And so this tightrope mentality, it doesn't work in the aspects of God. But you're able to get up where you are. Take all that you did have before back on your shoulders. Pick up Jesus' yoke and just get up where you were and start from there. 
And it's not starting over. It's just continuing on. Y'all feel me? There may be some old practices that we need to pick up again. See, a lot of us, we start off in our faith where we're like, oh, I want to read the Bible. I want to find out what's in there. And some of us are like, real passionate. I'm going to read it from front to back. And then you get to Leviticus. You're like, dang, I didn't know you'd be all like that. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just stick with the daily devotionals. <laughs> I'll get one of those devotional books. That'll be okay. See, there's certain aspects of, our old, of when we first gave our life to Christ that we need to pick up again. A, a lot of us started off with reading scripture. A lot of us started off praying passionately. A lot of us started off where we couldn't get enough of worship at church, so we started having worship at home. But what happened is that we got too smart for that. And we started moving on. I need to find deeper things in the Lord. And we abandon the basics of our faith to chase after meaningless, foolish ideas. To chase after whether or not we should celebrate certain holidays. And we're not even reading the Bible. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Reading scripture, regular praying, worship. In fact, in the process of us waking up, you finding your passion again, you should consider doing a fast. A fast, a real fast. Not just like, I'm going to fast social media. I'm talking about like not eating some food. Like doing social media breaks are great. That's great. But when you don't eat like good food, Try just doing something simple. Try not adding any seasoning onto your food. That's a fast. You know, have a whole new life experience doing that. Do a fast to do a hard reset on your flesh and your spirit. A hard reset on your flesh and your spirit. So that in order for you to hear God's voice and his leading again. Because it's not that we... That God is not just speaking to us anymore. Sometimes our hearts become hard because of real things that we go through. And it's not that God's not speaking to us, but because our hearts become so hard, we're no longer sensitive to his voice. Because we're bitter, we're mad, we're disappointed, we're discouraged. And the reality is, is we need to do a fast and, and just have our hearts softened again. Ask for humility again. Be willing to admit that we have become proud and prideful. What, what you really might be lacking in your faith is also simply sharing your faith. Like I said, at the beginning of our faith, we want to tell everybody about Jesus. But how long did it take you for you to become bored with sharing your faith with, to the same people? How long did it take for you to stop praying for that relative? How long did it take for you to not be excited when you saw someone give their life to Christ at church? And you know what? A lot of times it took a couple years. It's not that we just fell off like that, but we got tired. And sharing your faith is simply contributing yourself to ministry in some way. Contributing yourself 
to ministry in some way. Did you know that Jesus called ministry itself his nourishment? Being active in your faith by sharing it strengthens it and throws fresh wood on the fire of passion. Did you know that a fire can be old but gives off new heat continuously? So when I say grow your old cold fire, a lot of us have got this kindled coal charcoal fire that has some embers. And it's that same old fire that we started with. And God is trying to, to throw some fresh wood on it to get some new heat. It's not that we need to restart all the way over, but that we, we need to build this fire up again. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Let me share this verse in John chapter 4, verse 31 through 35. I told you that Jesus said ministry is nourishment. He's called all of us to be uh, sharers of the gospel. He's called all of us to be ministers of the gospel in some way. It says, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat something. He just got done ministering to hundreds of people. Was exhausted. I mean, we talked for, what, 30 minutes? (laughs) And it's exhausting. To talk for one hour, studies have shown that it takes, it feels like an eight-hour workday because of how much it takes out of your body. To just speak on stage for an hour. Jesus was probably going for hours upon hours. And they didn't have just McDonald's down the street. So the disciples weren't looking for food. And while they were gone, Jesus starts talking to this woman at the well. Starts ministering to somebody after ministering to everybody. Never stopped. Ministering to everybody and still ministering to somebody. And while she was doing her own thing, he starts talking to her. She ends up, they have this whole dialogue. She is so uh, impressed with him being the possible Messiah. She goes and gets the entire town. He thought you were about to take a break. And all of a sudden she brings everybody from the town to come listen to you again. I mean, we're, we're tired, right? We haven't even done anything for a while. And we're tired. Jesus is nonstop. And now he's ministering again and the disciples are concerned and say, Rabbi, eat something. They can wait. Eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are still four months And then comes the harvest. Behold, I tell you, raise your eyes and observe the fields that they are white for harvest. Jesus is saying his nourishment, his passion, his fulfillment comes in doing ministry, sharing the gospel message to others. And we have made our faith about only receiving, only consuming, but never contributing. And we're wondering, why do I feel so exhausted? We are not finishing what is started in us. We need to contribute. Whatever that looks at at our churches, where we can contribute, where we can serve. But when it comes out, when we step outside of the church, I mean, remember when you first gave your life to Christ, you saw someone on the street like asking for money, like, where's the change? They're going to know that Jesus loves them, that God sent me here today to give you these five quarters. Anyone to know that he loves you? Now you got 20 bucks in your pocket and you see something. Well, I don't have, I can't break a 20. 
I'm not going to give them $20. And we make all these excuses of why God can't use us in that moment. See how much we've changed from the beginning? We need to be active in our faith. And I shared this last part of the verse where it says, Behold, I tell you, raise your eyes and observe the fields that they are white for harvest, that they are ready for harvest. Every excuse we've ever made about why we can't share the gospel to somebody is thrown out in this verse. How many times did you feel God's leading to pray for somebody, to invite somebody to church, to do something, but you excused yourself out of it? I'll just let myself be a representation of God's holiness, and that will bring them to Christ in three years. God is telling you, talk to them. Show them the love of God, because no one else is. And the moment that you think, well, they're not, now's not a good time. Jesus said the harvest is ready. Right now is actually the perfect time. Another verse says, today is the day of salvation. You may be surprised at how much they needed you to speak to them. It's only when we start activating our faith again that we'll start feeling the passion of God again. Now I'm going to finish up here, and that is live like it's the first time. Being passionate is always feeling like it's the first time. Being passionate is always feeling like it's the first time. I think about when, when I first married my wife, that honeymoon phase. And I am more in love with my, life, my wife today than I am when we first got married. It feels fresh. It feels new. Every day I look at her and I say, you look beautiful today. She says, shut up. <laughs> I have not even done my hair. I just got out of bed and I was up all night with this baby. You're lying to me. I said, you don't see what I see. <laughs> and you look good. It's like I saw you for the first time today. <laughs> and see, it's like that. Our marriage is able to be passionate. Because it's like the first time. And our faith, it needs to be like the first time again. I want to share this verse in 1 Corinthians 8, chapter 1, verse 3, 1 through 3. Paul says to the church of Corinth, Now concerning food sacrifice to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes us conceited. Another word for prideful. But love edifies people. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he is not yet known as he ought to know. Saying if anyone thinks they know everything, they don't know anything. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. See, The older we become in our faith, the easier it is to think that we've seen it all, that we know it all. We become less and less excited about even just one person being saved. Remember when you first gave your life to Christ and even just one person being saved, you're like, yes, hallelujah. You didn't even know what hallelujah meant, but you were shouting hallelujah. Amen. You didn't know what amen meant either, but you're still shouting amen. One person. And now you're like, oh, that person always goes up. <laughs> yeah, come on. That person 
needed to hear God today and they heard him. Sorry that their heart isn't as hard as yours is right now. Yeah, that's real, right? We need to be excited about just one. The things that we once saw as miraculous moments, now we see as ordinary moments. We have allowed our knowledge, our experience to distract us from God's love. The simplicity of God's love. Jesus made it simple. He said all of the hundreds of commandments, all of the hundreds of the teachings of the prophets can be summed up into two. Hundreds of equations summed up into two simple phrases. Love God and love people. And he says, and the second is just as important as the first. Why would he need to say that? Because we're so ready to drop people off. We know we have to love God, but people, well, they, they made their choices. He said the second is equally as important as the first. You know why? Because God loves people so much. When you don't love the people that he loves, it makes him upset. Think about how much God loves you. And understand that he has that same love for somebody else. So when you have disdain or hate for someone else that God died on the cross for, do you not understand how that would make him upset? That's why he says the second is as much important as the first. God, his love and his power is fresh every day. His love and his power is fresh every day. Even in the tabernacle, when it says it was a shadow of the real thing, there is fresh loaves of bread baked daily. It says there was just a shadow of what could be done here on earth to show what was seen in heaven. Fresh bread daily. What that means is God has a sweet nourishment every day that is fresh. It's not stale. It's not old. It's fresh daily. And this verse is telling us that love is greater than knowledge. We must chase this love for God and love for God's people more than anything else. And the moment that we think our knowledge is greater than our love, then we need our hearts to be softened. Knowledge is still necessary, but without love, it is useless. First Corinthians chapter 13. Knowledge without love is useless. God is greater than what you know or have experienced. Allow your heart to be softened again. Allow your heart to be softened again. Allow your mind to be humbled again. Allow yourself to have childlike faith again to where you are more quickly to believe anything rather than thinking you're too smart to believe a miracle you heard about. Allow yourself to see Jesus as for the first time. When the the first time you you really imagined Jesus on the cross, maybe you even watched the passion and you saw it, the passion of Christ, and you saw the scene where he's on the cross and it literally made you cry. But if you were to watch it today, you could watch the whole movie without shedding a tear. See, we need to go back to like it was at the first time. At first. and, And plead and Ask God to soften our hearts. You have never been alive today before right now. This moment is new. And so is the opportunity to know God in a new way. Right now where you're at, I want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. I believe that after every message, 
There should be a, a choice, an opportunity, a direction. And if you're here right now in this moment and you feel like this message was just hitting your heart today and you realize that you need to even have a rededication moment to Jesus in your life. Maybe you need to have this this first initial exchange with Jesus where you put your trust in him for the first time. If that's you with every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to just raise up your hand. I see your hands. I see all your hands. So right now in this moment, I want you to just have a conversation with Jesus. You don't even need me to lead you through a prayer. You can have your own authentic conversation with God and tell him exactly what you're feeling in your heart. Tell him where you want to go from here. Tell him what you want to happen in your faith. Make it genuine. And remember that he understands you. And so if you feel like you can't get the words right, don't worry, he understands. God, right now in this moment, I pray that you cause all of our hearts to be softened. That you restore the passion of God again in our lives. Finish what you started. We're not dead yet. So finish what you started. Bring our faith alive again. Make us passionate. Restore the joy of our salvation. And help us to see our faith as if it was for the first time. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.